Ye find yeself in yon dungeon. Ye see a flask. Obvious exits are north, south, and Dennis. And you'd be all like, get ye flask. And it'd say, you can't get ye flask. And you just have to sit there and imagine why on earth you can't get ye flask. Because the game's certainly not going to tell you. And there's no precious graphics to help you out either. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Furidashi podcast. I am, as always, Nicholas, and I'm here this week with a solo cast, a chill rant on a subject no one really asked for, but it's something that's been kind of occupying um, Lauren and myself for some time now. We keep referring to it without really sort of explaining what the, the core gameplay loop is. And so I thought I would take this opportunity to just sort of go through it and offer a critique. So a critique of the core gameplay loop. Now, I want to be really clear. So this this <laughs> chill rant's going to be in roughly three parts. Part one is the part that I want to be clear about, which is the nature of critique. Now, un- it's unfortunate that sort of like in lay terms, critique or criticism generally means something negative. And you know, so the formulation would be like, you know, X is bad for Y reasons. And so, like, you know, you know, when you're critical of someone, you're critical of their appearance, you're critical of their behavior, generally me- that means that you think that they're doing something wrong and that, you, and that they need to rectify it. Now, here's the thing, is that now in philosophical terms and in sort of intellectual terms, critique is actually judgment neutral. It's supposed to be judgment neutral because the whole point of critique is that it's supposed to be a more systematic analysis than people would normally do of a thing. In other words, critique is about trying to get at sort of the underlying essence, not really essence, but sort of like all of the all of the little bits that make something tick, and particularly when it comes to ideas, and to sort of really think them through and try and figure, like think it through as thoroughly as possible. Now, in practice, this often does come off as negative or is often perceived as negative because sometimes there are things in our lives and there are ideas, there are dogmas, there are ideologies that work precisely because they're never really fully interrogated. And I don't think the core gameplay loop is actually an example of this. I don't really think it's going to suffer from having been criticized. So this critique is offered more in sort of light of like, what exactly is going on here? Let's try and figure this thing out. So that way we can better understand it. We can all become more thoughtful, analytical individuals. And so that's where I want to begin. I want to begin with a systematic examination of the so-called core gameplay loop. So part two then, you know, that was a brief introduction. (laughs) Our part two is what exactly is the core gameplay loop? Okay. Now there are all sorts of different formulations of it. Some have like three parts, some have more than three parts, but the most common version of the core gameplay loop sort of, or an explanation of it that you'll see is really a sort of a three stage interaction. Now all three of those words are really important. The word three, the word stage, and the word interaction. It's three because there's three of them. 
it's stage it's stage because there are stages of progression you move from one to another you do x then y then z and then back to x and so forth and it's interaction precisely because you know video games are in form of interactive media and so it makes sense that we're talking about something that is fundamentally a form of interaction how you interface with the game and also, and this is probably going to sound a little weird, how the game interfaces with you. Because it's both how you react to what you see within the game, and then also how the game reacts to the things that you do within it. So now, typically, uh, discussions of the core gameplay loop, or CGL as it's sometimes called, will begin with the, the sort of the action phase. So our three stages are, now the most common formula, formulation of this is action, reward, and anticipation. I'm actually gonna change reward to response. And usually it's done in that order, action, response, action, reward, anticipation, action, response, anticipation. But if you think about it for a second, really when you load up a game and you sort of start with it, you actually begin at the anticipation point. So think of, say, like any old Mario level, like just any, yeah, like, we'll go back back in the day when you got your Nintendo Entertainment System. I'm, I'm a very old person, so that was one of, that's not my first console, actually. It was one of my first consoles. And so, you know, you load up Super Mario Brothers and you're in that first level. And so the first thing that you see is sort of all the, you know, the platforms on the screen, the stuff that, you know, enemy, you know, there's a Goomba coming at you. And so there is an anticip there's a moment of anticipation. So you first experience you sort you get a sort of a sense of the game where you anticipate what's about to happen and then you act within it. And the thing is, the whole point is that like when you take an action or you overcome a challenge, when you jump from like one level to another or you you kill an enemy, then the game responds. Like there is there's a response from the game to your action. And then after that response, you then anticipate the next thing that happens and so forth and so forth. And you can you can conceive of these like loops in really, really tiny terms, almost like, you know, in seconds of gameplay or in minutes of gameplay. Um, probably an easier way to think of this or sort of an easier way to conceptualize it is sort of like the classic like gameplay loop in um, an RPG. So you are character dude, character dude goes into world with sword or magic or some other means of like affecting the things in that world. Let, let's say you're a sword and board um, individual, <laughs> you know, you're the paladin type and you go out and you, you encounter a guy in the town and the guy in the town says, I need you to go kill five dire bats and I need you to bring back their, their dire bat wings so I can make some dire bat stew. And you're like, fine. And so then you go out into the world. So, so, you know, there's the anticipation. Like, there's the fact that, like, this guy has given you a task, he's given you a quest, and you anticipate going out and having to do it. So you, you prepare for it. Like, you know, maybe you start off the game with no equipment and you need to buy some equipment. Or maybe you need to buy a better sword and shield because yours aren't powerful enough to deal with dire bats. Or, or you're sort of worried that you're not going to have enough health, so you buy some potions. Like, in the, the anticipation phase is not just, like okay, uh, I see stuff and now I need to think about what I'm going to do. The anticipation phase can also be sort of preparatory. Like you, you, it can't, you can't actually do things within that anticipation phase. 
So then you have your primary action. So then you go out into the game environment, you go out into the world, you find the cave where all of the dire bats are, and through great struggle and heroic effort, you kill five dire bats, and hopefully all five dire bats have wings, and you collect them, and then you bring them back to the dude. So that was the action, that was the challenge, that was the, the thing that you overcame within the game world in order to then, you know, see get some reward and so you bring the the dire bat wings to the guy who requested them and as it turns out the guy actually has this old piece of armor on him and he's like you know i'm so grateful that you you brought me these dire bat wings i'm gonna have a delicious bat stew tonight and so i want you to have this chest plate this crappy rusty chest plate that is still better than what you're wearing <laughs> and, and you take it even though it's crappy even though it's rusty and you put it on because you're like okay i have two more armor than i did before and so i'll be able to survive better so that's your reward so again so you you anticipate you got your quest you anticipate going out to do something you do the thing you you actually complete the objectives of the quest you come back and you receive your reward you receive this chest plate and now you are in the, the phase of sort of like going on to the next thing so you're searching around like finding other npcs who have stupid tasks that you need to perform for them and so that's the way the, the sort of the core gameplay loop tends to work in rpgs is like you know person sends you to do something you do something and you come back and you receive some like reward for it but that's not but the reason why i wanted to conceptualize reconceptualize reward as response is because it's not always strictly speaking a reward so if you think about games where like like you know classic platformers not not just your mario games but games like uh, celeste or, or even sort of a game like um mirror's edge which is much more focused on uh like exploration sort of like fast-paced parkour action the the challenge is then sort of like well, actually, I'm going to use an even older example. I'm going to use the classic game Pitfall. <laughs> like, so you're 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 standing there. So your dude is standing there in the screen. There is a gap in the screen. You have to cross said gap using your whip on a thing, and then you swing over. And that's that's sort of so you have this basic mechanic, which is sort of to use your whip onto things that it attaches to, and to swing over. And if you execute this properly then you can move on to you know other parts of the stage other parts of the level so the you can even sort of think of the tripartite structure of of the screen in that sense so you have the the space of anticipation you have the space in which your character already is sort of is preset they, they've been already placed there and then it is from that point that you then perform some action, you know, using your whip on the post that's there and swinging over, swinging over to the other side. And the other side isn't really a reward per se, but it's a response in the sense that like it, it reward, I guess you could say it, it rewards you in the sense that you get to move on through the level. But that sort of basic sequence of like, you, you know, you see what you're supposed to do, you do it, you move on. And so then in a more like exploratory vein in the game in the vein of say like say a tomb raider game where you're not necessarily getting loot and you're not necessarily getting stuff but you are getting like sort of more of the game and in fact in many ways more of the game is the reward and when people talk about sort of the, the sort of the feedback loop structure of the game that sense of accomplishment that you feel that sort of that dopamine release really like that is kind of a reward in and of itself. And if you think about a game like say, 
I don't know, Dark Souls, where, you know, the bosses are incredibly difficult and you have to really sort of learn how they work and you have to struggle and you really have to sort of like improve your gameplay and like you, you can bang your head against it again and again and again and again and again. But when you do finally beat that boss, when you do finally like achieve what the encounter is trying to get you to achieve, you feel a sense of kind of... <gasps> Uh, like a release and that release is sort of like it is the dopamine reaction that's the like hey I, f I finally got what it is that i was supposed to get and now i can move on to the next boss where you know you have the same build up the same challenge and so forth and so forth so all of that having been said like there's nothing fundamentally wrong with this like this is a like as I've just shown, it's a perfectly reasonable way to conceptualize how like gameplay works. And in fact, it's it's been useful enough to, you know, generations of programmers that it's it's now become almost sort of a conventional way of thinking about these things. But I think there is an aspect of the the so-called core gameplay loop that is really kind of unexamined and I want to think more about it. So, how how there's no other, there's no better way to put this. The the gore <laughs> the gore <laughs> the core gameplay loop isn't really a loop at all. It's more like a helix, if you will. And why do I say that? Okay, so the idea is that if you're looking at like mechanics within if you're looking at sort of gameplay within a microcosm in terms of sort of like basic structures, it makes sense to sort of think of it in those kind of two-dimensional terms. The problem is that this mode of conceptualization only works so long as you're limiting your your thoughts about it to a particular slice of gameplay because in reality like you know if the core game if the sort of the ideology of the core gameplay loop is supposed to work then you're actually sequencing them together but if they're sequenced together in order to avoid a feeling of like repetitiveness then you need some form of progression within that system. In other words, so like you, you anticipate something, you act, and then you receive a response. In order for it to feel like you've moved further in the game, that you've achieved something, that there is some form of progression, be it either good, be it positive or negative, then the, that second point of anticipation, like the anticipation prime, if you will, has to be not the same as the, the the moment of anticipation that you were just at. So let's use our let's use our pitfall example again. How would it? Okay, so like, you know, the tripartite structure, <clears throat> and you know, this is sort of in these classic games where like this you have to like move to the edge of the screen and then it will scroll to another screen and then all those screens put together are you know your entire stage. So okay, your pitfall guy, like you see him on the left side of the screen and you run and you throw your whip up in the air and it hits the post and you swing across and you're on the right side of the screen now and you're like, yeah, yeah, I did it. I executed the dumb maneuver and then you get to the edge of the screen and it you know it pans over and what do you find? but the exact same thing. So then like the the sort of the the area that you've arrived at <laughs> then becomes sort of the area the, the place of anticipation for doing the same activity. And you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll do it again." And you do and you know, I don't there aren't really that <laughs> the sounds in the original Pitfall game aren't that great. <laughs> and so you swing across and once again you're on the other side, but then the same thing happens. So if the loop were really just a loop in the strictest sense, then actually you would just be performing the same task by rote 
over and over and over again. And that and the thing is, that's not how games work. And in fact, in those instances where games do have that sense of repetition, so oh, it's a good example of this. Uh, so like in a lot of Final Fantasy games, there's often a point at which you get kind of stuck and you have to just sort of like grind random encounters in a particular area until you're a high enough level that you can feasibly move on. Now that feels really grindy precisely because that is in fact a loop. That is like you have these repetitive behaviors that keep going on and on and on and on and on. But when you look at games that really do a great job of taking sort of repetitive mechanics but doing it in a really sort of interesting and thoughtful way, you'll find that the reason why is because there is a system of progression integrated into the core gameplay loop, or in many ways, how the sort of the loops are sequenced with each other. So if you think of a classic game like, I know we always use the example of Hades all the time, so let's use a different, <laughs> different super giant game. Um, Bastion is actually, I mean, Bastion is similar to Hades in this way. But, I mean, I really like Bastion as a game because, one, you have sort of the, the narrator's voice, who, you know, you discover is actually a character later in the game, and you have the kid, and you have the the sort of environment that he is that he is in, and like as you progress through the game, as as you like acquire new abilities, as you use them, you know, in the mobs that you fight, the like literally the game world sort of builds itself up. So like as you repeat encounters with enemies, as you kill them, or as you use different means of killing them, and in fact the fact that you encounter different means to kill them shows that it's actually not a repetition that there's some progression taking place that you fill out an entire world and you literally see that on screen you see that world filling itself out as things move forward and as you sort of so supposedly repeat these like core combat mechanics and the reason why i use this example is precisely because the narrative gives it a structure and a sense of progression that isn't just sort of like mapped on top of it. In other words, the, the 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 sort of the whole idea of the core gameplay loop is built into the progression seamlessly and the two and the things reflect off of each other. And so that when I say that it's a helix, it's because if you again, if you were looking at it just for, you know, a slice, like you know, a particular area in the game bastion, you know, he's using say like, you know, the hammer and you whack some enemies and it's like okay so there's a there's a combat mechanic there whacking enemies and you know they die and so forth and then you move on to another area you discover another mechanic which is shooting involves shooting but those things aren't similar to each other wait how should i put this they have a degree of similarity to each other but you're never starting from the same point that you were at or even in a simple platformer game like you know you finish a mario level you know the next mario level next level in the same world may like have similar assets and look look like the one you were just in but it is different. It has different gaps. It's got different warps. It's got different pipes. Um, it's got different enemies. You know, you start to have to deal with Koopas and you start to have to deal with Bullet Bills. Like, things get added. Things change subtly as you move through the game. And so, the, the, the sort of Helix model, sort of the, the two dimensions of sort of like the circle where, you know, you're going from like action to re action to response to anticipation to action. Like that, what, what seems to be a feedback loop when you actually think about it in terms of the game, 
like when you return to the action point, you're at a different, like there's a Z axis there that you have to think about. So like you're, you're sort of poking through. So then if you sort of like turn the, this like model of the narrative of the sort of the progressive structure of the game, you'll start to see that it's like, that even as you're going in the circular motion, even as you're sort of returning to certain points, you're returning to certain beats, you're still moving forward through either the game's narrative or even just its environments, its levels. It doesn't necessarily have to be sort of a narrative structure, but it is always a progressive structure. And that is what I think is really important to focus on. Because, and the reason why the progress... Now... I'm sort of anticipating a, a natural counter argument where it's like, well, okay, but if you think about, you know, the Mario games, those are sort of individual discrete levels and they're just sort of like modularly tacked onto each other, right? Yes and no. The thing is, you really have to, I, a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, when people think about games, they sort of think about aspects of the core gameplay loop. They, they sort of overemphasize like the action and reward part and they don't necessarily spend a lot of time thinking about the anticipation part. And I really think the anticipation bit is what's important because it's the it's the moment of anticipation that gives you that feeling of novelty. In other words, if you reach a point of anticipation that is the same as something that has recurred before. In other words, the actions can be similar. You can be using the same, you can be using, you know, you could just be using jump over and over again or dash over and over again or whatever you know your weapon abilities have to be happen to be they can be the same basic like mechanics so the sameness does not necessarily come from the actions i would argue the sameness comes from the moment of anticipation because that is the moment at which you have sort of a brief reprieve your your brain has not in, it's not in twitch mode yet <laughs> and you have a, a moment to sort of reflect on what's going on and it's there where you might feel that sameness it's there where you might realize like oh wait a minute this the we we, we just did this <laughs> didn't didn't we just do this whereas if you're sort of like constantly cycling actions you know if you're if you have this sort of serial effect where it's like, do this, do this, do this. And it's like quick time, do, do this, do this, do that, do that, do that. Like you don't get the time to sort of stop and think about like the fact that I'm doing the same. Like, you know, if you think about say like, I don't know, damage rotations in MMORPGs, like you are actually performing the same actions over and over and over again. But because of the pacing of how you have to perform those actions and also generally like, you know, you're moving your character around, repositioning and so forth you don't have that feeling of sameness because you don't get the moment of an anticipation. So what, what am I trying to say with all of this? Like what's important about sort of reconceptualizing the gameplay loop in these terms? Well, what it means is that this problem, how should I put this? This thing that you sometimes see in, in game development where like everyone's working on their own thing. Like, you know, the level designers focus on, you know, making their levels, you know, combat, you know, combat designers are doing combat, narrative systems designers are doing their narrative systems, and, so, and ne'er the twain shall meet. But if you recognize, if you recognize the sort of the games that really have a kind of lasting interest and really sort of like meaningful impact, you'll see that they are games where those elements are sort of communicating with each other 
communicating is probably not the right word, but they, they definitely have this sort of like natural integration with one another. In fact, one of the things that's kind of boring about old school Mario games is the fact that the levels are kind of the same. <laughs> they, they, they do the same kind of things. And you know, and that was perfectly fine at the time, but if you made like Super Mario Brothers right now, and probably feel like a pretty ordinary game. And it's worth noting that, you know, when Super Mario Maker came into existence, like people started creating some crazy things. They didn't just reproduce Mario. And I think part of the reason why is because if they did, then that that loop sense would start to become a kind of like tedious grind and be like, okay, why am I just doing the same thing over and over again? Anyway, so <laughs> to, to recap, one, critique is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a systematic <laughs> examination. Two, we have this concept of the core gameplay loop, which is sort of the way in which uh, it's a feedback loop in which action, response, and anticipation constantly cycling back into each other. And sort of with that in mind, we should think of that more as, as I said, like a helix, because we need to really think about how sort of progression is already built into that structure and progression is needed especially in sort of the the anticipation stage of the cycle to really give the game a kind of well really just to make it fun <laughs> and so well that's it for this week um lauren wasn't able to to be with us this time around so let's all send her good thoughts hope that she feels better next time or you know gets over whatever it is she, there's nothing wrong with Lauren. She's doing fine. She just couldn't be here today. Anyway, um, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again next time.